Hi, everybody. Welcome to HMH's Future of Transportation podcast. I'm John Halpin. I'm here to continue our series of chats with experts in the transportation industry. Joining me today is Eric Bakke from Ampli Power. Eric has, um, I think I'm reading from your LinkedIn profile, Eric, has more than 20 years experience in the energy industry, focusing closely on distributed energy solutions and developing EV charging as a service infrastructure projects in the public and private electric transportation sectors. Um, Eric, thanks a lot for joining me. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me, John. It's a pleasure. So I noticed that uh, when I, you so your title, I noticed is senior sales manager, but I noticed you have uh, an engineering background. You have an engineering degree, right? That's that's correct. Yeah, you know, in the '90s, I I was focused on power generation right from the beginning. I started it with General Electric running around the world, you know, increasing the efficiency of steam cycles for power generation, both nuclear and even gas turbines, you know, and combined right. cycles. I, I, I realized in the late 90s that we, you know, we installed hundreds of these high, super high efficiency gas turbines and mm -hmm. steam cycles, but we were running out of natural gas at the time. Right? <laughs> and I thought, wow, what have I done? Well, you know, we're, we're, we're reaching peak natural gas. Of course, that was before the shale revolution yep. and everything else. So I, at that point, I realized solar is abundant, unlimited, and as the cost curve has come down to the point where it makes sense. So I made the move in the early well, mid 2000s, and I've been in renewables and now electric vehicles for ever since. So you you were an early entrant into uh, electric vehicles and renewables. If it's the early 2000s, well, I would say renewables right? for sure. I was sort of right at the beginning of of solar when it was you know most people said oh that'll never work and i was i really believed it would you know i really understood the the value and the uh, the fact that um you know at the time solar would offset peak energy during the middle of the day which was our most expensive energy right mm -hmm. and and i it just it fits so well to use the most abundant source to offset the peak energy period of the day. Now in California, we've gone the other way. We've got so much solar in the evening, <laughs> now we're, we're running out of energy and that's our peak. Anyway, that's all different yep. story. In the evening, and now you're gonna have permanent daylight savings time, it looks like, so you're gonna have yeah, even more right. in the evening. <laughs> that's a whole other story I'm not gonna get into, but uh, uh, anyway. Um, all right, so you focus on fleets with, with your current position. Tell me on a scale of one to 10, with 10 being the most knowledgeable, what is the typical awareness level of of electrification and electric charging for for let's say new customers or potential customers for you? Are they are they pretty well versed, or is it like you know, all right, what do I have to do here with this electric stuff? Is it you know, where are they? You know, it varies completely. The market is early, and it depends on whether they're mandated, right? Like the public yeah. transit schools, or whether they're they're mandated by their corporate ESG goals, right? Uh, it depends on, on what's driving them and uh, in terms of how far along they are. And I'd say it, it's hard to put a number on, you know, any okay. particular, they're all over the place. So, you know, gotcha. on average, I'd say we're at about a three, right? Because there's yeah. a lot of them don't really know what they don't know yet. Mm -hmm. That's the problem. They just, they just, it's a totally different change for them. 
You know, it's funny that you're the second person in a week I've heard that exact phrase from. They don't know what they don't know. That's a really interesting. It's really interesting. Um, so you talked about public and private. So the public sector is being mandated increasingly on doing this. The private sector is kind of being mandated by customers, boards, shit, right, that kind of stuff. Who's if you had to pick public or private, who's who's more advanced? Who's doing this better at this point? Oh boy! Again, it's I don't know if there's anybody doing it better um, mm-hmm. because they they have different drivers and 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 public versus private is a completely different organizational setup, right? Um, in some ways, I like the public better because it's sort of a known path. You know where you're going, whereas Private, they're just out there trying to figure out what what are the options, right? Right. I think private will soon, you know, um, embrace and 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 become much more knowledgeable and professional. Mm-hmm. But pu- pu- public's kind of ahead of the game right now, and it's it's a little bit more of a clear street line to where they're going. <laughs> so got it. Neither one better, but they're different. Okay. So for 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 either side. What are the biggest concerns? Like we talked about, you know, there's certain things they don't know, but are there concerns, hesitations, barriers to entry for this? You know, what, what are the biggest ones that you hear? There definitely is. Um, CapEx, right? It's a big capital expenditure to start with, and they're shocked at first, right? Depending on the level of subsidies, and like I said, public, you know, they have certain subsidies and what have you available for the vehicles but also for the infrastructure, right? They're looking at that and saying, wow, that's a that's a big expense. But the promise of lowered operating costs balances, right? So they're, they're building their model and saying, well, can I really get there? Because when you really look at electric, the variable on the, on the cost of that fuel, it could vary three, 400% in a day, in a week, in a month, right? right. It's all over. Right. If you're not if you don't manage it correctly. Right. So yep. the promise of lower operating of OPEX. Right. Versus CapEx. They're, they're concerned. Am I really going to reach that payback? Yeah, that's, that's the tough part. OK. Um, so I'm going to read a, a line from your website um, with intelligent quote with intelligent software and an innovative support model we're able to de-risk electric fleet electrification so operators can remain focused on their core business of moving people or goods. How does AmpliPower do that? Oh, so we really have two core messages around that, right? It's the CapEx, OpEx issue. We know we have the experience, we know how to handle that, but we have software as a service to really incorporate all of the... um, the, the constraints, the rules around the cost of the electricity to really drive the cost to the lowest point for the for electric fuel, right? And right. We, because we, you know people say, okay, I get it, the OPEX is going to be lower, but the CAPEX is so high, and maybe I don't have tax equity or you know tax liability because I'm public to really take advantage of you know the, the tax treatments that are available. And so they they're, they're still sort of frozen. Well, we've come up with charging as a service where we will invest, own, operate, and, and meet a service level agreement for availability and, re- and let's say readiness of their fleet. 
to meet their operating goals at a cost that's that's known, right? We can yep. charge them on a per kilowatt hour basis. Now they can budget, and plus they've eliminated the capex. It's a it's a pretty nice solution for most people. Okay, yeah, that's definitely I've heard that one before, and you know, it's it's basically it eliminates that upfront cost, like you talked about, which is probably which is such a huge hurdle. So and more so important, I think, for many, especially the public, it sort of gives them a clear budget line item that they can live to. Right. They don't have that yep. variability on OPEX. OK, so how does your solution? So, so you're, you're charging as a service, your software, it integrates with, let's say, it integrates with the telematics of the truck. Is that fair? Sure. Yeah, we, we try to capture as much information as we can about the total, you know, the holistic ecosystem that you're living in. Right. Because the software really uses rules and, and the constraints around operation to optimize. You know, a little bit of machine learning in there to, to, to grow, but uh, it's really a rules-based system that says, you know, given the constraints of operations, right, the, the buses have to be out at 7 a.m. with a full charge. Okay, given those constraints and given the cost of energy, given time of use, you know, peak demand, we can manage all of that to, to make sure that uh, they're meeting all of their goals at the cost that they need to, to hit. Okay. So how do you, I, I would imagine that if a fleet was going to electrify, right? And, and I'm the, uh, the financial decision maker or, you know, wh whoever's in charge of purchasing for the fleet, it, 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 it would seem that the easiest path would be, hey, the OEM has stuff like you do right yeah it's it's easy to just say oh well they can sell me all that at one time that seems easy enough why don't i do that why shouldn't they do that that's the yep. default and, and often they do right and it comes as a package because really the you know the the vehicles and the charging system are compatible and they work together we, we have no problem with that and, and we can actually overlay our system on top of that because we work closely with the OEMs, uh, with all of the uh, electric vehicle charger suppliers. Some of them are white labeling, you know, the, the, the vehicles yep. are white labeling others. Um, all of that's fine. We're collecting information from the vehicle telematics, from the EVs themselves, the EV chargers themselves and managing. But the most important thing that happened, you know, it's not just that first pilot but it's the scale. Now, all of a sudden, you know, a year later, they come back and they've got a new OEM. They've got a new vehicle provider. They've got maybe, right. maybe the vehicle provider has moved on to a new um, software system and a new uh, EV charger. Yeah. Now, now, all of a sudden, you've got this disparity, right? There's multiple systems to look at. You've got different screens. You're trying to manage all of this. We really have found a way to, to incorporate all of that because we're, we're really agnostic to the technologies. Right. The, the hardware technologies and even some of the software technologies. And we're really creating that that sort of open system where we can talk and collect and show all of the information and make decisions via this rule based um, optimization to 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 make sure that they're meeting their goals. OK, and, and all fleets aren't I mean, they're, they're not all locked into the same kind of truck. Right. Or the same brand of truck. Yeah. So you know, if if they had to work with the OEMs and they had multiple OEMs in their fleet, that's a that's an issue where you can. That's, a, that's an issue. That's typically what we're we call it. We call it the mixed fleet or even the mixed equipment uh -huh. issue, right? And then also there's the the fact that uh, you know we're there to to make sure that if if 
one piece of equipment goes obsolete or you know is no longer supported in some way, we continue right. to provide that proactive service to make sure everything's working. Okay. It's sort of the glue to bring it all together. Right. Um, all right, so you're trying to get a lot of fleets to electrify, obviously, right? Are the, are the utility companies ready for what's coming here? Yeah, you know, fleets and transportation in general is like over 25% of the greenhouse gas that we're putting out into the world, um, at least in yeah. the U.S., from what I've heard. Uh, fleets is, a, is the best way to attack that, right? Uh, I'm, I'm sure the individuals eventually will adopt, but fleets is a quick way for us to do that. So we really see that as our mission. And it's it makes sense to to attack fleets because they have the the most to gain and have the use cases that make the most sense for this. Um, so we think that that fleets will always will will, will let's say accelerate the industry towards uh, greenhouse gas uh, reduction, and I, I think that's the best place to focus. Right. Did I? Okay. I think I'm, what what was your key point there? What was your question? Are the are the utilities ready for that? So you said twenty five percent comes from fleets. So now the utilities have a lot more of a load to deal with. Are are they? If, if this all you know turns on a dime, or it's it's starting to turn more quickly now, right? Like and and full disclaimer, I think I mentioned you earlier. One of our biggest clients is Daimler Trucks. They're pushing you know more a lot more electric trucks coming soon. S same with all the other OEMs. If there's a whole bunch more electric trucks on the road in eight years. Can, are the utilities co companies going to be able to handle the load? Yeah, you know, I think we're just hitting that curve, that adoption curve. It's going exponential. You're right. And the utilities are scared, but they're excited because unlike solar, when I, you know, the, it, solar was is great, but it's really taking away from their market, right? The, yep. the distributed energy resources. So they, they were really resistant and they had to do it because the Public Utilities Commission said they did. Whereas now they're saying, wow, we can get all that back now. We can take over this huge market. It's like over 20%, maybe even 30% of the energy that we use. Wow, this is great. But yeah. then they, they stop and think, wait a minute, the pace of adoption, yeah. that's not the kind of pace that we work at. We're, we work on 10-year timeframes with our integrated resource plan. <laughs> They don't have 10 years, so they are concerned. They're definitely concerned about that. Yeah, yeah so I, I've had, uh, so we do this show about once a month, and I ask this question, that question that I just asked you quite often. And the last two, I've had completely opposite answers from people. I had one, I had one guy say, heck no. But, but to be fair, the guest that said the utilities aren't ready is someone who does solar powered electric chargers. So he might've, you know, he's, he, I, I don't want to say he had a bias with his answer. But he might've been right for sure. But, I, but yeah, people seem to see it I differently. Talking to the utilities, they are scared that the, the pace of adoption will outrun their ability to supply the services needed. Although they're excited and they're trying to ramp up. Um, that's why we, we do something where we work closely with the utilities and we actually, are able to limit automatically the load from all of the chargers to stay within that service requirement until they get it upgraded, right? So that that's something that's important about managing the charging. That's really key, I think, to to putting in the the right infrastructure to support the vehicles now and in the future, while respecting that that constraint from the utility until it's until until they unlock it. Okay. All right. So I don't mean to put you on the spot. So, so you have relationships with, with utility companies? It, it, well, we talk when to it comes to stuff like that. this. 
Well, I mean, we talk to them all the time. Is any, I don't want to put you on the spot. Is there an example of a utility company that has, that's doing something really, you know, like they, that, that they're kind of getting ahead of the game on this. And if, and if it's not, that's fine. But I was just, you know, wondering now that we started talking about it. Getting ahead of the game. You mean, well, I, the, what I think of is New York city con ed. Uh, we're actually mm-hmm. working with them on a pilot to have the buses at Logan bus, uh, provide energy back to them, not just yeah. reducing their load in this load management, which is like a demand response kind of thing, but actually pushing electrons back to the grid. And it's in pilot and that's a true B to G solution. And everybody thinks buses really can provide sort of a way to balance a lot of the load on the grid. And, and you know, it's early days and I think they're a little bit out in front in terms of piloting that. That's awesome. I, yeah, I love that whole the charging back. Like, like the F-150 Lightning is what that just made me think of um, with the, you know, you can use the truck to charge, you know, the equipment or the house oh, yeah. or whatever it might be. It's great. PG&E is actually jumping in with with both, I think, Ford and GM to try to test some of that, you know, because they're, they're concerned. Anytime you're putting electrons back on their grid, they have to be responsible for the safety and reliability. But I think they're, they're actually saying, wow, let's talk about it and let's, let's look at yep. this. So that's good. Cool. Um, okay. So you've get it, getting toward more a bigger picture of not just the fleets. Um, I mean, you've been, like we said earlier, you've been in this industry for a long time. Uh, you know, a heck of a lot more about it than I do. So five years from now, like what, I don't want to give you a too open-ended answer. What's this going to look like? Like, how am I going to charge my EV? Am I going to be at home, or am I going to be, you know, doing it at the supermarket when I have a, you know, a diff? Like, it, what's the cost going to be like? Like, what if you could cut your crystal ball? What do you, what do you see changing? Because things seem to be changing quickly. That's the key. I mean, things are changing so quickly; it's almost impossible to say where we'll be in five years. Um, I think it'll be a combination. Uh, there, there's even things like, you know, being able to charge while you're parked without plugging in with induction charging. I'd be interested to see where that goes, you know? Yeah. Some folks are looking at actually swapping batteries. I think that's not going to play very well. Um, I think your vehicle will be an integral part of your home in terms uh-huh. of like we just talked about, being able to supply energy back and forth and, and, de- and determining, you know, what's the lowest cost and what's the best use of whatever electricity you have i think it'll be a more integral part and you won't even really think about it you'll plug it in and you use a software like ours to say to decide is now the right time to charge when do i need to have this vehicle ready so that it'll decide depending on the load of your house the cost of electricity the time of day the amount of greenhouse gas in the electricity that's coming we can already measure and and track the amount of greenhouse gas coming from the utility at any given moment so you can minimize your greenhouse gas. So you'll be able to tell it, okay, you'll tell Siri or Alexa or whatever, charge my car, but make sure it's the greenest and it's ready by <laughs> 7 a.m., right? And it'll happen. Wow. Yeah, you said you that was going to be a hard answer, but that was a really good answer that, that you gave on there because that's, that's a pretty cool idea that people probably don't think about. Um. So I want to go back to fleets. I'm jumping around a little. When I think of fleets, I think about, you know, 
18 uh, wheelers or UPS trucks or things like that. But cars are part of this equation too on fleets, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I also was surprised to find out that light duty is actually, you know, because it's sort of farther along in the development as well in terms of the products available, right? Uh, the big semi-truck class eights are, are great uh, for short haul stuff, but the long haul stuff, that's a ways away, right? There, there's some technology development and cost curves to, to attack, but certainly light duty vehicles, passenger type cars are definitely here now. And, and there's, we're talking to, you know, the big lease companies that, and that are looking at really completely changing out from, from fossil to electric in a very short time frame. Like Hertz is doing that now. Right. Hertz just seemed to be the big the, the first rental car company to to basically say, hey, we're going to be 50 percent within, you know, a few years or something like that. Exactly. Yeah. So how are they going to charge all those vehicles? Right. That's <laughs> right. Yeah. Yep. Where all are right. they going to be like hubs, giga hubs at the airport or are they going to have something? It's going to be interesting to see how that all plays out in terms of the public versus private versus home. Um, we're trying to address it all, and it, it's a lot happening very quickly. It is a lot. So you're trying to, yeah, that's just that. This is a whole big can of worms that I could open, but I could keep, keep yeah. you here all day. Um, all right. So I'm going to ask you something similar to what I asked you before about the public sector, about utility companies. So well, I, my last question to everybody on on this show is, what companies? If you had to tell me the way I tend to frame it, someone else I should talk to next time. You know, who in this in the, in the transportation industry is so forward thinking and doing something really interesting? And it doesn't have to be like, I, you know, I used to say to people, you can't say Tesla, <laughs> but I don't have to say that anymore. I would say you know, who who in the transportation industry is, is doing something really interesting that maybe people don't know about yet. I think what I'm most interested in and would love to see on your podcast because I'm, I, I want to watch it, you know, the automation side of it all, right? Yeah. The, that's where the interesting things are happening. I mean, certainly Tesla is part of that, but I think there are a lot of companies out there that are really putting a lot of energy and really smart people and technology uh, to solve that problem and it's gonna you know it's gonna happen it's just a matter of time i think i think there's some right. some great companies out there i don't know them all and i don't know which one's the best but you know like zooks and cruise and waymo and and all those folks they're they're starting to look at dedicated vehicles even right that yeah. are that are without steering wheels i mean that's that's gonna be interesting right so and maybe see. that the answer to your last question is in five years or maybe maybe 10, we won't even own our vehicles, right? We'll just say, I want to go somewhere and a vehicle will show up. Right. It'll almost be like a, a, a neighborhood fleet or an area fleet yeah. that, that I dial up like an Uber and yeah. it just comes to pick me up and I don't have a car in my driveway anymore. Yeah. This is totally fine with me. I'm, I'm in on that. So yeah, actually you were talking about Waymo and Cruise. I think they're both, so they're both in San Francisco now. We're in and around San Francisco, Silicon that they Valley. literally do have a, a small number of vehicles. You, are you in the Bay? You're in Sacramento or Bay Area? I forget which. So we're we're headquartered in Silicon Valley, Mountain View. I'm actually 
currently located in my home office uh, outside of Sacramento in the in the foothills. Yeah, but 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 out near where you are, this is you know it, it's it's much more prevalent or starting to become more prevalent than than the rest of the country because Cal- California is a leader in in green energy and and it seems like you know this is you know, I mean everything Silicon Valley this is where things are you know start up that way right. Yeah, it seems like they're they're already testing on the streets of San Francisco. At some hours of the night, I think they're they're actually right. out there driving around without people in them. There's there's speed limits that they have to adhere to and things like that. It's funny. I actually I joked in a with one of my colleagues and I wrote in a blog post that I'm in San Francisco. I'm trying to imagine an autonomous vehicle going up Lombard Street in San Francisco <laughs> right. with a zigzaggy. <laughs> path like the, see how the it ultimate works. test, right? Or going yeah, down? Probably do it better than me. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right, um, Eric. I think we're going to wrap it here. Um, thank you very much for joining me. This was a really good conversation. I, I really appreciate it. Appreciate your time. Thank you so much, John. I really appreciated chatting with you. It was fun. Have a great All right, day, everybody. You too, everybody. You can learn more about Ampli Power at its website, amplipower.com, and on social media platforms like LinkedIn and Twitter. Uh, folks, if you enjoyed this show, please subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, wherever you're watching or listening. It'll help us get the word out, and we will really appreciate it. To learn more about HMH, the Transportation Transformation Agency, visit hmhagency.com or find us on all those usual social media platforms that I mentioned. For Eric Bakke, I'm John Halpin. Thanks for listening. We'll be back soon with a new episode of HMH's Future Transportation Podcast. Thank you.